0: From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Siri Belusu. This week, we're bringing you two conversations on international tax issues from our annual 2020 Outlook on Tax event held this week here in DC. Today, we bring you Bloomberg Tax's Ali Verspril talking with Peter Blessing, the Associate Chief Counsel of the IRS. Yesterday, we featured Chip Harder, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Department of Treasury for International Tax Affairs, But today, we hear what Blessing has to say about U.S. international tax rules.
1: Uh, So, Peter, I wanted to start with a broader regulatory question and then maybe we can drill down into some specifics. But, you know, we've seen IRS and Treasury officials talking about a um, pretty ambitious goal of implementing the entire 2017 tax law by October 1. Um, A lot of that is on the international side. Can you give us some insight into the strategy um, for how the IRS is prioritizing regulations, um, is this mostly the rules, you know, that are affecting the most taxpayers that you're tackling first? Um, maybe just giving us some insight into the overall uh, strategy. Uh,
2: thanks, Allison. So yeah, so we've had these uh, challenges of implementing TCGA since the end of 2017, and you know, when we t- think about what to, prior to, right, what to prioritize, that, that's in connection with the preparation of the priority guidance plan. And we, we asked for comments, obviously. And what, what, the, what, what the focus has been on this plan, you can see from the plan itself, is TCJA. And within, TC, within that scope of TCJA, we're, we're really trying to focus on first, what's most urgent in, in terms of taxpayers' need for guidance, and that includes their financial reporting. So that's why 965 was up front. And then we focus on what's what's uh, what's important, what we think is important. You know, think of guilty, think of beat, think of FTCs, think of 163J. Um, and then then we also um, pay some attention to the, uh, um, the, the the temporary regs that are expiring. Um, we had the the 901M regs are expiring. We expect to get those. You know, the final regs out soon. 385 temp regs were expiring. We, we uh, we just about to finalize those. Um, and um, the, uh, the, the 721C regs, I guess, is another example of that. We also would um, pay attention to where regulatory uh, implementation is critical to the provision. So where you know, the taxpayer can't really reasonably comply without having, or we can't um, have the rules that Congress thought should be in there unless we put out something and think of hybrids uh, as something Along those lines, um, so and, and then we're on top of that. We're, we're able to sneak in or, or work in a couple of projects that may have been largely completed, um, or that um, that are an adjunct to a TCGA project. So for Pfix, TCGA brought along the insurance uh, aspects or changes in that area, and so we were able to latch onto that and include a much broader PFIC package and cloud is just something that has been was prepared you know a couple years earlier had been sitting there just needed some little bit of work and there was a lot of demand for that so we thought that should be that should be put out
1: okay well and so i guess let's talk now maybe a bit about some of the specific guidance especially the projects that people are really anticipating. Um, The proposed guilty high-tax exclusion rules have obviously gained a lot of attention of late. Um, For anyone who doesn't know what that is, uh, so guilty stands for Global Intangible Low-Tax Income. Um, This is a new tax that in kind of a simplest way was meant to discourage, um, you know, people from shifting profits overseas using intellectual property uh, the tax was intended to affect taxpayers if they weren't paying a rate overseas of at least 13.125 um, percent. But based on the way the rules interacted with existing, you know, guidance or existing rules out there, um, some companies were still getting hit with the tax even if they were already paying that rate overseas. Uh, so the IRS put out this high tax exclusion rule uh, that basically allowed you to opt out of guilty if you were paying at least a rate of 18.9%. Um, so I know, you know, I know companies have asked that the IRS consider making that an even more generous exclusion. So it more closely matches that approximate 13% um, overseas rate. I'm curious, has the IRS given thought to that? What other sort of comments has the agency received, and what's really the thinking um, on those rules?
2: Yeah, so we, we, we received a lot of thoughtful comments on those uh, regulations, and, and they were basically, as you suggested, Allison, driven by the, some legislative history that had an example of a 13.125% rate. That obviously didn't reflect the allocation of expense aspects of the code generally. So it caught some people by surprise. Um, We've done uh, some major strides in mitigating that impact but um, uh, um, the the Treasury and IRS gave some thought to what could be done and looked at uh, Section 954B4 and and saw there the the authority to go ahead and, and, and promulgate this or propose this kind of exception. We've gotten um, a lot of feedback on things like, should it be retroactive back to the uh, 2018 on? Um, Should it be CFC level calculation rather than QBU by QBU? Um, And and, and comments like that. And in general, I think um, we are uh, considering these, but the focus, uh, and the, the guideposts we're using are pretty much what's in what's in the, the, the notice of uh, proposed rulemaking. So that was how to best um, focus on the differentiation between high tax and low tax rates in an administrable way, and avoid um, untoward planning between Subpart F and and, and the guilty regime. So that's going to be the still the guidepost for for what comes out.
1: And just a quick follow-up. I mean, do you think in order to get it down closer to 13.125, is that in Congress? Does that now fall to Congress to maybe change? I would
2: that? say so. Like I said, the, our authority is referring back to not, to 954B4, and that's referring to 90% of the st- statutory rate. And so, uh, okay. you know, I think the 18.9% is the is still the threshold.
1: Got it. Um, and so I also wanted to talk about fitti so that stands for Foreign-Derived Intangible Income. This is a deduction that was meant to kind of encourage uh, U.S. exports, so it's sort of the opposite um, of the guilty regime. And, uh, you know, we've had companies that have commented and said that the currently the proposed rules there, there are documentation requirements that um, they say are a bit too onerous, and that may um, they may bypass the rules by migrating IP assets offshore, which is, kind of the opposite of what we want with that provision. Um, You know, can you talk a little bit about the agency's thinking and potentially easing those documentation rules?
2: Yeah, so so again, Treasury and IRS have received a lot of comments, and very thoughtful comments on on this. And um, I think it's fair to say there's been some reworking of the approach. And the approach is uh, is gonna be to focus on foreign person, foreign use, these are the statutory uh, requirements. Um, obviously the code has always required some level of documentation um, just under the the regular rules Um, and it would be you know one one approach we're thinking about probably leaning towards is looking to the um, particular types of transactions for enhanced uh, substantiation Color to us there we have substantiation requirements in many areas and certain other areas of code think of 274 think of 170 and so it is not unusual to require substantiation but perhaps it was a little bit broader than it had to be
1: got it okay um, and so while we're on the topic of intellectual property um, before you know we had some discussions where you talked about uh, the fact that the IRS is now seeing some companies trying to bring back IP um, as a result of the tax law changes and that's Resulted in some issues. Um, can you maybe elaborate on what the agency is seeing and how you're reacting um, to some of the issues that have come up?
2: Yeah, thanks, Allison. We we um, we uh, have seen we've had inquiries. Companies, uh, I think, mostly motivated by DEMPI but also at the same time we have the the, the, the pool of the uh, FIDI regime and the sort of the push of the guilty regime and this combination of tax reform and DEMPI and the EU has uh, caused companies to think about bringing their IP. And we've, so we've had actual inquiries in terms of, um, for example, unwinding a CSA. And it turns out the, re- the regulations aren't entirely 100% clear in a few uh, aspects on unwinding a CSA. Um, we've also had a, a, a request um, in connection with um, 367. Uh, D um, and the uh, impact of once you've entered into a 367D transaction, then you bring that on shore, The the effect of uh, and this has been reflected in some private rulings of a an EMP deduction doesn't mean a whole lot on a U.S. return, a 162 deduction does, uh, and so we've had some uh, we've got a, a reg project on 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 that relatively limited uh, aspect of 367D. Got
1: it. Um, So shifting gears a little bit from the 2017 tax law, I wanted to talk about the 385 um, projects that we have ongoing. Um, So 385, for anyone that doesn't know, they were these Obama-era regulations that were aimed at part of a larger project to crack down on corporate inversions. Um, IRS and Treasury recently released an advance notice of proposed rulemaking saying they were gonna repeal um, and replace a portion of the rules that automatically recharacterized um, you know, tax favorable debt as equity if, um, basically if you made a transaction within a certain amount of time, you would kind of get hit with this rule. Um, companies said it was overly onerous, and now the agency is looking at a more facts and circumstance based test. So I wanted to ask you know, whether or not I guess where the IRS is thinking with that you know, upcoming rule, and you know, I've had some people mention that a facts and circumstances-based test is obviously much harder to administer and enforce, so maybe the agency's thinking um, on addressing that challenge.
2: Okay, thanks. Yeah. I, I guess I'd first just note, we, we have withdrawn November 4th. We withdrew the um, documentation rules uh, under the Dash 2 regs. Um, as and that was in
1: a final rule alongside this, yeah.
2: Yeah, it had been proposed a little bit earlier and then the, it was finally withdrawn in November. That was pursuant to the executive order 13.789. Right, right. Um, and um, at the same day, same time, same day actually, we issued uh, this advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, basically to get comments on a, on a proposed streamlined, simplified approach, again, again, along the lines of the executive order, uh, make things simpler, get rid of the per se rule um and that's 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 what we're contemplating i would say and um we suggested uh the streamlined approach might uh, involve um looking at facts and circumstances to some extent um and we're thinking about how to craft that kind of a test and we we asked for comments we got three three comments and um, we're studying those comments that's uh, we haven't gone much farther than that at this point
1: got it okay and I did want to discuss um, the final rules pulling the documentation requirements a little bit too um, because I know there was some discussion in those regulations that said you know IRS and Treasury would continue to kind of examine um, whether maybe some form of documentation requirements would be necessary and then at some point in the future might be Maybe propose a modified version of those documentation rules. Um, I'm wondering where the agency and the department are in kind of thinking about that, and um, whether any sort of conclusions been drawn yet.
2: Um, I would say we haven't uh, we haven't progressed that very much.
1: Okay. All right. Um, so shifting gears now again, I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about going back to the tax law, talking a little bit about audits. Um, So I know IRS Chief Counsel Michael Desmond a lot recently has talked about the fact that you know, in early discussions with companies, large companies, in the compliance assurance uh, process program, so that's kind of the real-time auditing program um, for certain companies, there are some initial issues starting to come up um, in those audits and those discussions. Can you talk a little bit about what the IRS is seeing on the international side in terms of you know, things that are cropping up?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, well, obviously we're, you know, the CAP program is sort of like the canary in the coal mine. It's the, it's the, it's the first to exam. Um, they, by definition, there are current examination situations. So we're seeing 965 issues. Um, you know, those may involve calculation of EMP, calculation of foreign tax credits. They may involve liquid versus illiquid assets. They may involve companies, lar- cap programs, or large companies, but they sometimes have what we call specified foreign corporations, sort of less than 50%, but uh, eligible for 245 cap A and for, for credits. Um, um, and uh, they, um, they, they may not be able to substantiate their credits there. So that, those are types of issues um, for 965. We've had, um, uh, you know, we have our extraordinary disposition extraordinary reduction rules under the 245 cap a uh, regs so we've we've identified a few of the extraordinary disposition transactions and um, and uh, at least one of the extraordinary reduction transactions so that comes up Um, also um, the section 78 gross-up issue and that's that's where a taxpayer With fiscal year CFCs is claiming a 245 cap A deduction and also claiming a 960 A um, foreign tax credit for its subpart F inclusion for its last year, uh, beginning before 2018. So we've had some of those issues. And um, I'd say we haven't had We've had some miscellaneous guilty issues, but no beat issues. And, I, and maybe, you know, I wondered why, I was thinking about why we have no beat issues, but it's, it may well be that <clears throat> the statute by its structure and design and I think intention was not, uh, <clears throat> does not want taxpayers to have beat transactions. It's labeled an abuse. and it, the structure of the statute does lend itself to unwinding situation in which you have uh, intermediary payments. And I think taxpayers have taken that to heart and, 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 and restructured their transactions to some extent.
1: And so IRS chief counsel, as those issues come up, are you engaging with auditors in the field to kind of <coughs> maybe talk about some of the issues you're seeing or explain um, to them things they should be looking out for?
2: Um, my team does.
1: Okay.
2: I, I don't myself, okay. but my my team certainly engages. We advise um, the division, the operating divisions of the IRS and uh, I in particular uh, has has these issues, and um, so my team's involved at, from the examination process, and then um, we're involved in you know addressing the how far to take it. Do we drop? Does it get dropped? Does it does it uh, go to appeals? Does it get, get, get does it, do we, um, um, if it goes, the taxpayer always has a right to go to tax court subject to designation and we don't designate very readily. Um, and we are involved in the preparation of those briefs and, and so forth. and um, uh, So it's, they're, they're very involved.
1: Got it. Um, so we have a few more minutes here. So we'll maybe go back to some of the guidance we're expecting uh, coming up. So one thing I wanted to touch on, um, the tax law had you know, what people are calling an error in it, uh, referred to as the downward attribution glitch by some. And essentially what this provision did was it, ex- it um, resulted in a lot more foreign companies being uh, categorized as controlled foreign corporations, which opens you up to potential more US tax and reporting requirements. Um, the IRS released a revenue procedure and proposed rules, and basically, in that, you know, while trying to um, kind of ease some of the issues that people are seeing, you basically said it's up to Congress to really um, address this issue if they want to change it. Uh, so, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts. Is that still the agency's thinking on that? Is there anything we can expect in the final rules coming up um, to sort of further address that that error?
2: Yeah, I'd say. Uh, Treasury and the IRS have um, thought, think that the, the revenue procedure we put out, that was 2019-40, and um, the proposed regs, which you know we'll, we're working on comments on to finalize, it's about as far as we could go at, um, without a legislative change. Um, I don't have any insight as to where the technical correction might go or when it might go, but I have to assume at some point there's gonna be a legislative vehicle, but we're not Right now, we're just focusing on you know what we have, and um, so we get we got some comments on the proposed regs, and um, one of them, you know, suggested maybe 1248 shouldn't apply. Um, we we think there's there's an authority issue there. One of them suggested that uh, portfolio interest exemptions still should apply. Again, we think there's an authority issue there. Um, one of them uh, or several um, focused on the two sixty seven a three b issue, and that's that's the, the the statutory change that was made in two thousand four that basically said outbound payments to uh, a, a CFC uh, cannot be deducted until paid on, unless the amount is in, included in, by the shareholder so um, obviously TCGA came along and caused a lot of cfc a lot of non-CFCs to become CFCs. They didn't have a U.S. shareholder, so nothing was included. We put out proposed regs that said, okay, even though um, if you don't have any U.S. shareholder, but the income's eligible for treaty protection, and and that reference to treaty protection was was based on a, a prior regulation in the 267 area, then you still get the deduction. And what we're thinking about, what the request was, maybe do we really need to have this treaty Uh, limitation in there, so we're thinking about getting rid of that. Um, We also had one um, inquiry in connection with a a ruling request um, that pointed out uh, in the 367 uh, the the so-called Helen of Troy regulations, the 367 outbound um, stock reorganization regulations that uh, there is an attribution issue, and um, there we have Uh, authority under the regulations, fortunately, to actually turn off attribution rules. And those regs, sort of a safety valve in the 367A regs. So we're considering using that.
0: That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to check out yesterday's episode featuring Chip Harder, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Department of Treasury for International Tax Affairs. For more tax and accounting news, visit news.bloombergtax.com. From Washington, I'm Siri Belusu. Thanks for listening. From Washington,
1: this is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Hey there, I'm
2: Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Those aren't the only down ballot races we're watching, are they? In states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Will Democrats be able to defend their majority in the House this year? Will Republicans keep their majority in the Senate? Are there other members who wish to record their presence? Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down-ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. 26, and that is the number of women who will be serving the United States Senate when it swears in Georgia Republican Kelly Leffler. Along the way, we'll cover all of the numbers that matter. So
0: a really interesting thing is how much national security background and experience. So many of them are bringing to the job.
2: And interview key players in the congressional elections. Listen and subscribe to Down Accounts Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts.